Are you ready to study God's Word today? All right. So as everybody goes ahead, and you might need to like, let somebody into your row as they head back in. Uh, but let's go ahead and in our Bibles find Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the faith chapter. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. But I want to speak specifically to our graduates today and give a little piece of advice. Don't you love it when you're graduating? From anything, people think that that is the automatic introduction for them to tell you what you ought to do. Well, let me add my voice to that mix. And here's what I would suggest. Whatever you do, always live with the end in mind. Always live with the end in mind. Vive toujours avec la finlantie. Why? Because, because when you get to the end of your life, you need to be thinking about what do you want for people to say at your funeral? Because they will. Don't make them lie. <laughs> Don't make them have to make stuff up. Because the choices you make and the way that you live today determines what people will say about you tomorrow. There's this great story about a, uh, a couple of brothers. These two brothers lived in a, in a town where everybody knew them because they were rich, but they were mean and nasty and selfish, and they would lie and cheat and steal. And one day, one of the brothers died. And so they were making the arrangements for the funeral, and they had a pastor come in to help lead the service. And so as the pastor is meeting with the surviving brother, the other brother, mean and nasty, said, listen, I'm a powerful man. You better do what I say. And when you get up there, you better tell people my brother was a saint. I don't care what you do. I'll get you if you don't tell people. You tell people my brother was a saint. And so the pastor is very worried. He's an honorable and true man. He doesn't know what to do. And so the day of the funeral, he gets up and stands before everyone, and he looks down at the casket and says, we all know the truth about this man. He was mean, he was a liar, he was a cheat, but we can say this, compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> and so if you have found Hebrews chapter 11, this chapter is basically a list of obituaries. It talks about a number of heroes in the faith after they have died and tells us in just a few sentences for each what is significant about their life. And here in verse 24 of Hebrews 11, we find this summary of the life of Moses. This is what was remembered about him many, many, many years after he died. Hebrews 11:24 says by faith Moses when he had grown up refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy now catch this last part rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time you see like Moses we all have a choice to make we can either choose the pleasures of sin for a short time, 
that leads to destruction, or we can choose the pleasures of righteousness, which lasts for eternity. And so it continues, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What does that mean? It means he was living with the end in mind. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible, because he kept his eyes on God. And so for the next few weeks in this series, we're looking at the life of Moses. And what can we learn from how he lived? And I think the first thing that we are going to see in the early days of his life is this. First of all, that the events of your life can prepare you to reach your God-given potential. Now, as we talked about last week, everything that has happened to you, God can use even the pain of your past to help prepare you for a greater future. Now, Moses was not born into easy circumstances and a comfortable life. Moses was born in slavery in Egypt. At that point, his people, the Hebrew people, the people of Israel, had been captive in Egypt for centuries. And so he is born into a family that is not all lollipops and roses and rainbows and happiness. It's a hard, hard, difficult life. But even in the midst of their slavery, get this, God blessed and multiplied his people. And look at what it says in Exodus chapter 1, verse 12. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And so the Pharaoh worried because God kept blessing these slaves. And their numbers multiplied. And so he came up with a plan that every baby boy must be killed. Well, you can imagine when Moses is born, his mother, fearing for his life, decides to do something radical. She makes a little basket and prepares it to float in the water. And she takes it to the Nile River and sets it afloat. And as it floats down the river, she prays, Lord, I believe that, that Moses has come into this world for a reason. Lord, would you protect him? Would you lead him to safety? And God answered her prayer because the person who found Moses in that little basket in the Nile River was actually the princess, the daughter of Pharaoh. And so he was born the slave of Egypt, but educated as the prince of Egypt. And even in that, God was preparing and positioning Moses to make a difference. And maybe for you, maybe in your life, maybe the fact is that you were born into difficult circumstances. Maybe you lost your parents. Maybe you were despised and rejected. But maybe like Moses, is it possible? Can you look back and see how even in those difficulties, God had his hand on you. 
And so next we see that as Moses grows up, he has a growing passion for justice. His people are still in slavery in Egypt. And Exodus 1.14 says, They made their lives bitter with hard labor, in brick and mortar, and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. And so he watches this as he is growing up. And he begins to develop a heart to help people who are going through difficult times. In fact, one of the circumstances that we find in this, this short uh, amount of detail that Exodus gives us about Moses' first 40 years of life, and that, that one day he comes along as a, as a young man, and he finds an Egyptian slave driver, driver beating a Hebrew slave. And, 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 and as, as that violence is, and abuse is taking place, Moses steps in to stop it. But in the midst of the fight in protecting this Hebrew man, the Egyptian slave owner or uh, driver dies. And, and so Moses is now guilty of murder and ends up having to run for his own life to Midian. And we'll learn more about that in a minute. But then he, he came across two Hebrew men who were in a fight and, and he stepped in again, not worried about his own safety. He stepped in to try to make peace between these two men. Later in the land of Midian, he finds two young women who are being harassed as they're trying to get water from a well. And these guys are giving them a hard time. They're being jerks. And so Moses steps in to protect these two young women. And so there is this recurring theme in the life of Moses, how he could not just stand back and watch an injustice, that, that it didn't matter if it was an Egyptian or a Hebrew or a Midianite, he did not discriminate. And I think, guess what? I think that this came from a dream that God had put in the heart of Moses. I wonder if him knowing his background but growing up with all of these comforts and luxuries as many people have today. I wonder if he looked at the people who were going through hard times and from a young age dreamed of being able to free his people. But now he's a criminal. Now he has to flee for his life. And it seems that the dream of freeing his people is dead. But here's where it starts to get really, really good. See, what seemed like a dead end was in fact a new beginning. And here's what we need to understand. Listen, your crumbled dreams can become the foundation for God to build a new dream. Folks, this is good news. Listen, no matter what happens in your life, no matter how bad it seems, that when your dreams crumble, that can become the foundation for God to do something new. And at this point, Moses is 40 years old. And so he's run off to another land called Midian. And there he meets a wife. Her name is Zipporah. And so he has this wife named Zipporah, which you want to remember that name because we are going to come back to that next week. And I'm guessing next week it's going to be a message that probably many of you have never heard before. The topic next week is the circumcision of Moses. <laughs> On Father's Day, how ironic. 
Uh, uh, it might be a little bit PG-13 next week. I'm just letting you know. But so the next 40 years, he spends in the desert tending sheep. And they're not even his own sheep. They belong to his, his father-in-law. He doesn't even own anything himself. I mean, talk about a dead dream. So here he is, a 70 or 75 or even 80-year-old worker still working for his father's family on the farm. And you wonder, how could a guy like this ever do anything to help the slaves in Egypt? And listen, maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you're 70 or 75 or 80 years old and you think that maybe God is done with you, that you have nothing left to contribute. Maybe you're a younger person, but you look back and it seems like no matter what you've done, everything seemed to come to a dead end. And you've pretty much given hope that God could ever do anything in your situation. But here's what Moses did not realize. Listen, listen, listen. Here's what Moses did not realize. That that season in the desert was in fact a time of re-education, a time of preparation, that there was a reason for that season. Because it was in that season in the desert that God was shaping Moses and preparing him for the leadership role that was yet to come later in his life. And get this, God can't use you publicly until he has shaped you privately. God can't use you publicly until he has shaped you privately. One of the biggest frustrations that many Christians face is what I often call microwave Christianity. Do you know what microwave Christianity is? You know, back in the day before microwaves, you actually had to wait for food, like more than two minutes. And so, so what, we, what we're used to is you put stuff in, you punch a few buttons, and boom, out it comes, ready to go. And we expect our spiritual growth many times to happen the same way. We say a prayer, punch a few buttons, do a few things, and then before you know it, instant results, instant answers, instant leadership, instant change. But sometimes God works more like a slow cooker and less like a microwave. For, for Moses, that preparation season was 40 years. 40 years. And some of you, you, you look and you say, I've been waiting 30 years for my, the answer to my prayer, and it's never come about. For Moses, he spent 40 years in that season, and it took 40 years of God shaping Moses privately before he was ready for leadership publicly. Look at Exodus chapter 3, and you see the difference. God appears to Moses in Exodus 3, verse 6 through 8, and says, I am the God of your father, the, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying, and because of their slave drivers, and I am, I am concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. Verse 10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. 
Now, now remember, when Moses was younger, he was arrogant and impulsive. He, he rushed into things. He was ready to kill off the Egyptians one by one. But now his attitude is different. Listen, chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? In chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? In chapter 4, verse 10, he says, oh Lord, I have never been eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. In chapter 4, verse 13, he says, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember how when he was younger, he would rush into things. He, he was overly confident. He would let his anger get out of control and it got him into trouble. But now, now he's more patient. Now he's more humble. Now he realizes his own weakness and he realizes how much he needs God. I heard about a man uh, who was driving along in the country and on the back country roads. He was trying to, to find the way to Miramichi. And, and so, so he, he, he pulled over and talked to a farmer who was standing by a fence post and asked for directions. And the farmer gave him very detailed instructions. You go to here and then at that point, at that intersection, you turn right and, and then left. And, and, and so he, he, he writes it all down and he follows the directions. And, and very carefully, he all of a sudden comes around the corner and there's that same farm with that same farmer standing by that same farm post. And he rolls down the window as he pulls up and he says to the farmer, what is the deal, man? I followed your directions and I ended up right back here where I started. And the farmer said, well, young feller, why would I waste my time telling you how to get there if I did not first know if you knew how to follow directions? <laughs> and, and sometimes God first wants to see if you know how to follow directions. Come on now. Listen, and it is possible that sometimes maybe God has even withheld some of his richest blessings for your life because you have demonstrated that you're not ready for it yet. Maybe there is some area of sin. Maybe there is something that you have not yet surrendered to God. Maybe there is an attitude that you've been holding on to. Maybe there is pride in your heart. Is it possible that maybe the reason that God has not yet moved you into position for your miracle is because you have not been ready? But maybe if you surrender to him, today might be your day. Because here's what we can rest assured. We can be rest assured of this, that God's dreams are bigger than yours. Isn't that good news? Listen, as a young man, as, we're going to get there, I promise. As a young man, he dreamed of being able to set his people free. So, so what was his plan? He was going to do it one by one. And so he kills the Egyptian slave driver to protect one person, and he steps into a, an argument here, and he does, and that's all, that's all, that's not bad. We should be helping people one by one. But that was his plan for justice. 
He started doing his own thing. He, he, he tried to help an oppressed Hebrew here and a damsel in distress there. That was his dream. But folks, God's dream was so much bigger than that. God's plan was to use him to lead an entire nation to freedom. That for hundreds of years, the Israelites had been in slavery, but God was raising up a deliverer. And folks, so often in our lives, we are focused on these little molehills when God wants to move some mountains. Don't get distracted by the molehills when God wants to move your mountain. And that's why we have to keep in mind that if my dream is so small that it does not require the intervention of God, then maybe my dream is not from God. You think about the dreams that most Canadians have. You know, if I could just have a nice house and have a little family and have a nice job and, you know, maybe if I could have a vacation cottage and if I could have a nice car and if I could go on some nice vacations, and, you know, God... So often that shapes our prayers, that shapes our dreams. God, God, if you just give me a little more of this, then it'd be okay. And God, if you give me a little more of that, then, then it would be okay. And, and God, if you could just make my life more comfortable. And so the world tries to sell us that kind of dream. But sometimes God needs to deconstruct my little dreams so he can replace it with his better dream. See, it's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. It's not about building my own little kingdom. It's about building his kingdom. And that is so much better. Listen, God's plan for your life is so much better than your plan for your life. And so I want to ask you today, Are you willing, whatever season of life you're in today, are you willing to say, God, is, is it possible today that I have held on to some dreams that are not part of your plan for me? Is it possible that there needs to be a change of direction? Is it possible today that if you will submit and surrender to God, he has a miracle for you. So I want to ask if we could stand together. And Heavenly Father, I... As we come to you in prayer today, I wonder if it's possible. I have no idea what it might be, but if it's possible that, Father, right now, you are speaking into someone's heart. That you're showing them, even now, how you want to grow and mature them in this wilderness, desert season. Maybe they feel like their dreams are dead and gone and there is no hope for their life. 
but we know that you are the author of new beginnings. That you specialize in taking our broken dreams and building upon that foundation a new beginning, a better dream, your dream for our lives. And so we surrender ourselves to you. Heavenly Father, that whatever we need to give to you today, just right now, all around this room, in the front and in the back and on the main floor and up in the balcony, would you just take a minute and just pray yourself and commit to God whatever it is He's asking of you today. Father, I pray even now, even now, that hope would rise up in our hearts. That maybe even right now there's someone who you want to heal physically. Maybe there's someone who you want to heal emotionally. because they feel like they've just been put in a basket and sent down the river. And they think that nobody's looking out for them. But God, may they see today how your hand is on them. You're not done yet. And so, Father, as our faith rises up to you. May your spirit saturate this place as we worship you. May our faith be strengthened. May our worship be passionate. May our strength be bolstered to go back out into that wilderness season and live with honor and integrity, believing that when the time comes, you're going to work it out. And for some today, maybe even this is that day. In Jesus' name.